Well, all right, we're back. All right. Um, we try to keep uh, our word and try to keep putting recordings out here, you know, throughout the uh, uh, month and us getting back on our same track. Uh, this is Classroom 21 with Antonio Clyde and Ken O'Bain. Yeah, here we are, another episode. Yep, Not another episode. So <laughs> we started talking about uh, Will and Jada and Chris Rock at the Oscars. That's that's what we was going to start with. Uh, we saw the press and all of the articles and yeah. just everything that came out about Will and Jada. And then things in different direction. <laughs> yeah. And then through uh, just trying to get that conversation started, me and Ken got on a conversation about uh, I don't even think it really was about race, uh, but uh, we started uh, talking about uh, the differences uh, in uh, all the socioeconomical differences in uh, poor, middle class. Uh, I don't even think we really got to the rich side of it, but basically just the uh, the some racial aspects of it, of you know, poor black, poor white, things yeah. of that nature. And so I think basically we, we kind of had a conversation about how people are more similar than they are different. We we tend yeah. to like like to mark each other off in, in, in racial boundaries. You know, we think of tend to people, you know, of, of other races as being a, a certain way or a certain, you know, having certain proclivities or preferences or whatever, but that's not necessarily the case. No, we found out, you know, well, there are a lot of poor, poor black and poor white uh, is, you know, looks the same. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're talking about poor people, rich people. Yeah, it's really it's yeah, it's really more about the your socioeconomic status. I think yeah, it's kind of kind of the one of the conclusions we came to was just t- discussing how you know, regardless of there are there are, you know, of course, you know, when you talk about race, there are some differences, you know, they're cultural and things, but it actually started uh, I don't know, you want you want to talk about how that conversation started? What you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go with everything. Yeah. So how did it actually what actually got us on that tangent? We were talking about different things. I know I said something about eating potted meat when I was a truck driver. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I uh, can if you guys don't know, if you haven't seen the website or any of the video podcasts, uh, Ken is a white guy. <laughs> if y'all haven't uh, uh, figured any of that out. But he has a lot, and I do mean a lot of uh, uh uh, characteristics with the black side of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was yeah, so that was the, the point you made, kind of jokingly. But then, you know, my point in return was that I don't think it's necessarily that so much as that. You know, we you know, there's people that are have more similar. It's not not that I'm necessarily have as much in common with you know black people in general as much as you know people like you and I have a lot in common, like you and I have a lot more in common than, you know, than, than I would maybe with some other black people, you might with other white people. It's just because, you know, race is just one, one factor among many in people. And, you know, the yeah, fact is, you know factor, when you start looking at life, you know, people, people are a lot more similar than they are different. I guess is kind of the, the point that I was feeling, you know, when we were talking about that. Yeah. So just to clear this up on this podcast here, we're not really discussing black and white culture. That's not really what we're discussing. Uh, basically, we're just talking about how more people can be more similar than they are different. It does carry the line when you talk about certain things that happen in, in blacks and certain things that happen with whites and Hispanics and so on. So, yeah, you can get into those areas and we may tamper off into those areas. But when you get to talking about... Uh, like a portion of it, people tend to drag in more than what you're really truly trying to talk about, and mm-hmm. so that's what we really was just talking about was that there was a lot more in common with poor white, poor white than there was a lot that was not in common, you know. So, uh, that's really what we were talking about. Not get into any aspects of racism or who was discriminated against. Uh, not talking about uh, whether I was uh, able to do one thing versus something else, or if anybody called me any uh, racial uh, 
uh, connotations. We didn't get into any of that. It was just basically talking about how do we uh, see ourselves like basically the characteristics were almost basically the same. You know, yeah. so let me I'll tell um, you the the I'm gonna say the thesis, I guess. If I if this conversation that we're having right now, that which was based on another conversation we had off off a recording, to me, I think it, it all boils down to the fact that I feel like the what the world is lacking in right now is is what's happening right now at this moment. The fact that you and I are talking about things that, that a lot of people find difficult to talk about. A lot of people avoid these conversations because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And the whole reason that we're here doing this is that Antonio and I found out uh, fairly early on in our, our graduate program that we were able to have really good conversations. You know, we would we'd stay after class for an hour or two, just standing outside talking about something. And, and even when we disagreed about something, even if we had completely different perspectives, we were able to have a really good conversation and really productive conversations and really and understand each other and respect each other's perspectives, even if, even if we disagreed. And I feel like that is the gist of what we need. You know, what I'm seeing in the world, what I've been, especially in the past several years, it seems like, it seems like when it comes to people getting along in this country, you know, it, it's, we're moving backwards. We're moving backwards fast, how it seems to me anyway. When you're talking about race or politics or, you know, religion or anything, any kind of, of uh, that's what I'm looking for, uh, identities that people have, you know, people are becoming more and more divided and people are, there's a lot of people that are pushing that. I think there's a lot of people that are pushing division for their own benefit. Um, when really all we need is conversation, talk to people, you know, just, you know, if you, your, your friend that's a different race or a different political party or a different religion that you are, just sit down and talk to them. You know, you find out, you know, that's my belief. My belief is that if you sit down and talk to somebody and have a real conversation, you'll find out that you have a lot more in common with them than you would have thought you had previously. You probably would, but I think the issue with a lot of that are people wanting to sit down and talk. Uh, is that most people most people talk or speak or communicate or whatever you want to say, they do it just for a response. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to listen to what you have to say, but I'm only going to listen to the part that I can respond to and then start up a whole type of conversation based on an argument type. You know, we're going back and forth, back and forth, trying to get a point across. And nobody's really getting that point across because nobody's really listening to each other. You're just trying to respond to whatever somebody's saying. You're not really listening to anything. So the conversation never leads past the past the first point. It never leads past it. You know, it's just people basically sitting there just, you know, arguing. In other words, that's really what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. You know, so and uh, for effective communication, you know, they gotta be a little bit of give and take. You know, it's gotta be a little bit of listening. And then, you know, you got to be able to actually add something else to the conversation to take it to new levels and new uh, heights, or whatever. But most of the time when people just talk, especially when you get to this issue, when you get to talking about differences, like you said, no matter what it's on, religion or whatever, uh, especially when you get down to race, a lot of people just listen for those key little words. Oh, I told you, I told you, I told you, no, I told you he was racist. <laughs> uh, I, I told you, that, you know, that's all they're really listening for. They never really are having the conversation to uh, enlighten each other. They're basically just having the conversation to disprove whatever the next person is saying instead of just saying, okay, well, I hear what you're saying, but let me see if I can add this to it and see if you can come to a, a different perspective on this, that, or whatever, you know? So, but yeah, people don't, people don't really add, they don't add to the conversation. They're not going to have conversations that are productive. And then when you get to the people who are having productive conversations, you know, it may be a superstar, but then they're talking about stuff that's on their superstar level. Yeah. You know, so look at what you have, like, uh, you have the, the Candace lady that's out there, you know, and the other guy, I forget his name, the other guy that always, uh, him and her always debating. And all it really boils down to is the fact that all they really doing is just spewing out a bunch of statistics. Mm -hmm. uh, he's always harping on how many black people have dropped out of school. She's always harping on how many black people are either 
if they are doing something positive, you know, it's just the little the little statistics surrounding what they've done positive, and then if she's you know tearing down some black man like she went through the George Floyd thing, you know, well there was cocaine out there, and we shouldn't this and we shouldn't that, and you know, we we miss the issue when we get around this topic, and I hate to see the conversations had because a lot of times it's just people are just talking to respond and nobody's really talking about the real issues when we get down to talking about race and we get down to talking about uh, even the different portions of religion or politics or whatever. It all just seems to boil down to one particular thing and nothing ever gets taken care of, you know? Yeah, that's another one reason that I love podcasts, man. I have come to love podcasts because podcasts differ from any other form of media we have out there in that, like, whether it's TV news or radio or, like, other social media, everything is, like, boiled down into little snippets, you know? Like, I see all the time, like, people posting things on Facebook and people tweeting things about, like, something that somebody said, and you could they take one little sentence or one idea and take it out of context and try to make this whole group of people seem stupid like oh my gosh look at what look at what those republicans are trying to do or looking at those dumb democrats and rah 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 or whatever it is you know and and the thing is you can take anything out of context when you take a a little statement but when you have this format the podcast format that we're using right now you can actually sit down with people and have real conversations and that's you know there's people like Joe Rogan, whether you like or dislike Joe Rogan, he is the biggest podcast host on the world. He literally has the largest audience on earth right now. No human being in human history has ever had as large of, large of an audience as Joe Rogan has right now. And he'll talk to people for two, three, four hours sometimes a stretch. So, you know, if you get to you get a chance to really talk to, you know, hear people, hear people have conversations and you know, another thing, speaking of Rogan that he does well, I think is, is ask people questions and rather than try to confront people, he doesn't take like a journalistic thing or it's hard hitting, or he's going to try to confront them about something, or he just asks them questions like openly, like, Hey, uh, what is it that you believe? Or what is it you think? You know, how, you know, you're a person who is X, Y, and Z. And, uh, I feel like that's the kind of thing we need more. And I really, I really hope that people, would start kind of kind of waking up, I guess, to that and realizing that, you know, like I said, we have a lot more in common than we have different. And even if you're not able to have these conversations with other people, if you can listen to a podcast, listen to something like Classroom 21 right now, you can hear people <laughs> having converse, real conversations, talking about their real thoughts and their real feelings. And it might be somebody you disagree with, you know, like I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree with me on a lot of things, but I feel like, you know, the things that I believe, I feel like my heart is in the right place. And I feel like if I have an opportunity to express myself and just and be able to explain why I believe the things I believe and why I hold the 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 views that I do, I think most people would be able to respect it, even if they disagree with me, even if they hold a different view. You know, and I think that's that's what we need to get at now is we need to try to focus on really hearing people like, you know, you were saying, Antonio, too many people are just they listen, they get that little snippet and they want to, you know, they listen for one little thing. They gonna try to. Oh, there's a there's something I can counter. You know, I want to try to try to go back and forth mm-hmm. where, you know, they'd be a lot better off to just listen and just say, OK, hey, well, you know, this is this is, you know, my views. This is how I see the world based on my experience, based on my education. Um based on my knowledge and really try to understand another's perspective. Really help us, uh, help us grow. And another thing I know, (laughs) another thing that I think is really big to remember in, in situations like this is that even those of us who have education in psychology, who understand, uh, how the, the human mind works and understands, you know, concepts like in-group, out-group bias. You know, we have these, you know, the, in these defense mechanisms, you know, we, we, even if we understand them, that doesn't mean that we're immune to them. Oh, like yeah, we can true. still, yeah, we can still do like, we can, I, I still have a tendency to, to other, you know, the, you know, quote unquote, other people. Like when I hear something 
you know, somebody talking, you know, somebody posts a clip on Facebook or something or somebody I disagree with strongly, like politically or socially. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, that 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 immediate thought kicks in. Look at these people, man. They they think this and this. They're horrible people, man. These are just awful, awful people. They all just want to destroy everything. They just this and that. <laughs> and you have to stop. And I, I, I have to check myself, you know, quite often and say, hold on a minute. No, I, you know, I recognize those thoughts. And even though, you know, I've, I've been educated in a little bit of, you know, human psychology. I know a little bit about how the brain works. I know a little bit about how you know, human beings tend to interact with each other. It's still, you know, it doesn't mean any of us are immune to that. And, um, no, yeah. no one is immune to it. I mean, uh, that's why I say this, uh, when talking about, um, characteristics of people, you know, so, uh, <clears throat> when we get down to talking about certain characteristics of people and you're getting to talking about trying to put those characteristics toward a race of people, uh, then that's when you get kind of, you know, kind of finicky because even though you may say, okay, some characteristics of, uh, let's say, uh, black people may be, let's say, athletic wise, it may be, okay, characteristics of a black person, they may be able to run swiftly. Uh, uh, they may be, have uh, uh, unusual muscle mass or something. So you mm -hmm. put that toward a race of, a race of people. And then that's not true of all black people. And I know we know the one that everybody thinks that every black man out there is carrying a baby leg in between the legs. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, what everybody. I go there, Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, you know, thinks that's the case. That's I mean, that's like one. Antonio. That's a characteristic. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, Jack, come on, we're going to put it out there. We, if we're going to talk about it, talk about it. You know, the thing about it, everybody puts that characteristic out there, you know, thinking that's true. That's just definitely not true. I mean, it would be great if that was the genetic blessing from the good Lord above. But, I mean, we forget about, you know, just genetics and everything else that, you know. You know, um, you know what, though? I, I want to, like, I'm, I want to kind of take a, another look at another side of that coin that I feel like there's too many people that, that say that it's somehow racist to point out things, um, differences that are common differences. Like, you know, if, if to say that, you know, if, if, if you say that, you know, black people are more athletic, of course, obviously that's not you know, more athletic than say, you know, white people or whatever. Obviously you can't make generalizations that apply to all people. But if you look on the whole, if it's, if there's certain things, if you say that, like, you know, if you if you could statistically prove that this percentage of people can, you know, in this among this group can run this fast or jump this high and as opposed to this percentage of another group, you know, it's not I don't feel like it's racist to say, you know, especially yeah. if you're not doing it malevolently, you know, like I don't, I, I don't think that's so the case. Scared, I think that's why people are scared to talk about race a lot, because they're scared to talk about differences, because there's things that we all see that we all know to be true, that we all know are like common sense, but we can't say these things because people are scared of like, oh, if I say the wrong thing, I'm it's going to be interpreted the wrong way or somebody's going to think this about me. They're going to think I'm narrow-minded or I'm dumb or I'm racist or this or that and the other. And like I said, I feel like my belief is that if, if you're, if you are truly, if you're, if your heart is in the right place, if, if you truly are trying to, to, to get to the truth and understand each other, then you shouldn't be afraid to speak your mind. You shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. You shouldn't, but this is my thing right here. Okay, let's go back to some of these characteristics uh, that we said, like you say, you know, uh, you brought a thing about blacks being more athletic than uh, white or this, whatever culture, whatever the case may be. I don't think that's the case with any particular athletic uh, person. Okay, you do see an abundance of, of blacks in like football, basketball uh and in some other physical type sports um that that come around you know you don't see a lot of black people in sports like tennis baseball uh wrestling and things like that you don't necessarily see a lot in that but i don't think that that's because a black person is more athletic than anybody else this is what i believe and i wholeheartedly believe this and i invite anybody that wants to discuss it in detail 
anybody is a product of their environment. If I grew, I grew up, you know, poor. We grew up uh, working farms. They, my family, seemed stronger than mm-hmm. other people because we grew up lifting peaches, uh, peas, throwing watermelon, uh, running through uh, farmland, uh, and working all day. So we had a lot more muscle mass. So it seemed like we were way better at football than somebody else that might have been out there. Yeah. That's not the case. We're just a product of the environment. So if you take a person that is in an environment and it produces them to be a faster runner for whatever reason, someone may say, okay, well, God, this guy can really run. He may be a track star. He may have, he may be a football player, maybe basketball. You get that person and they start saying, okay, well, hey, let's try to enhance your natural ability because the natural ability may have been just to run. You know, in my family, my history of my family, the natural ability in our family has been to run. There's one famous client that's out there, which is Brenda Clyatt. She was the alternative to the U.S. track team in like the 70s. And huh? she, stayed, she stayed the alternative for a long time. She was very, very fast. She had scholarships, I think, for, for Florida State. And, man, she just did a lot of stuff. But she went to the Olympics, I think, on more than one occasion, you know. But in our family, there are a lot of people who uh, ran track, who played football. The natural ability was to run. And then you got an opportunity to enhance that natural ability. I think any person... Uh, if you are a white male or female or whatever, or Hispanic or Asian or whatever, if you come into those environments, just like you, I mean, just there were just as many strong, fast white guys on my football team as there were blacks on our team. And we had this one guy on our team, uh, Clint Newberry. Uh, he was strong as an ox and he grew up, he grew up on a, a cow farm. Now, the farm we grew up on, we we worked in the fields with, you know, with the uh, the watermelon and such. Mm-hmm. Well, watermelon don't weigh as much as a cow. <laughs> you know? yeah, this guy says he was probably five or six, but I can do it So by the time he got to high school, he was very strong. But he had only played baseball up until that point, so he decided, well, I play football. And was a very, very good line because his natural ability was that he had strength. And then playing football enhanced that natural ability. Me and him became pretty good friends. You know, we uh, we talked and joked a lot about growing up on the farm, you know, and the differences in that. But the thing about it was, was that I just don't believe people think Asians are smarter at math, but their environment, they start getting math in kindergarten. You know, so here they are. Here they are doing things well beyond what we would even think to do in elementary school. So by the time they get to high school, they probably are very advanced in some math classes than we would be in high school because in their environment, that's where they are. And I think when we start looking at these characteristics of people, you know, we got to start looking at what was that environment that that person was in. Because mm-hmm. if you look at a lot of football players who are highly successful, white or black, it doesn't matter. When you look at a lot of football players, even basketball, I just say athletes across the board. And I know that's another generalization that I'm talking about a generalization. <laughs> but if you look but if you look at highly successful athletes and you start looking at their environment, you'll find out that their environments they're a product of that environment and then it had some way to enhance that ability and then that ability gave them an edge over everyone else and they were able to continue on that success through college on into the pros and into making you know more money you know so i think that we have got to stop saying or start stop putting these generalizations on a whole race of people you know, especially when you look at, you know, I've been a coach and I've had the, the kids out there and uh, and you're like, man, you know, this kid ought to be able to run the football. Uh-huh. And you know and what? You know, this right here, this right here, <laughs> what we're talking about. You just you just you made a point a while ago. You you made a statement. You made a point. You 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 put out an idea. I came back with a counter idea and, you know, I, I gave a different perspective and then you came back. 
And just now, you basically told me how I'm wrong without saying I was wrong. <laughs> you basically said, look, this is this is how I see it. This is, you know, without ever saying, no, you're wrong. No, that's 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 dumb. That's you said, well, this is how I see it. And you perform and you just put forth a, an excellent argument right there. And that's this right here that, that when you just capped it off just there, when you talked about, you know, putting these you know stereotypes on on different races of people, how that, you know, we have a conversation you know, we, and we we can be corrected. That's I think another, a big part of a big factor in this is that if we're having a sincere conversation, that's what that's well, I don't think we should ever be afraid to ask questions with each other. I don't think we should be afraid to to, you know, say things that, that we if, if, if we have a belief in our head about the world or about people, you know, we should be able to put it out there. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a big freedom of speech person because the thing is, that's how we learn. You know, we if we put an idea out there and if it, you know, if it's wrong, then, you know, somebody will be able to come back and say, well, hold on. What about this, this and this? And put and then, you know, if if we're truly if we are truly trying to understand, if we're genuinely trying to understand each other and trying to to become more educated ourselves, then we're open to correction and we're open to people saying, oh, yeah, OK, I see now why that belief I had was maybe incorrect or maybe that that the, my perspective wasn't wasn't really fully filled out because I didn't have all the details. So this is, yeah, I think this is a perfect, that's an example of, of what we've been talking about here. Just talking to each other, talking to people, ask questions, open questions, you know, just, you know, say things, you know, if you have, if you have a thought, or if you have a belief about the world, man, just say it when you're talking to people. If you're talking to somebody that disagrees with you, you know, like if, if somebody says something that I disagree with, you know, I'll do the same thing. Say, okay, well, this is how I see it. And, you know, put, Put it, put out the data that I have, all the data points that I have to back up why why I think my perspective is correct. And if people go back and forth doing that, you put out the data points, you put out the the evidence of why you feel like your perspective is correct. Then sooner or later, either one person will say, "Okay, I think you're right," and I was wrong, or maybe both people will say, "You know what? I think uh, we we both found out that we weren't 100% correct, but now we have a better understanding of each other." Yeah, I think that's what it all boils down to, you oh, know, yeah. that we can, like I say, really have the conversation and really talk and go back and forth with each other, but enhancing the conversation each time without just sitting up and talking about, well, you're wrong and um, then you shouting your opinion. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If people, I listen to some of the conversation. I really do. I listen to people when they go back and forth with, whatever they're arguing about, you know, and a lot of people just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they're just shouting an opinion. There's no, nothing factual about it, but they're shouting an opinion and they are trying to get you to really believe uh, that opinion, you know, so, mm-hmm. and when you tell them, hey, look, you know, this is really nothing that's factual. It's really just an opinion. Then, you know, you can't really, you know, hang your hat on an opinion of something, but, you know, some people don't want to uh, hear that, you know, so uh, that's why every time if someone asks me for something, I say, well, do you want my advice or do you want my opinion? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I ask them each time they ask me anything, I said, do you want my advice or do you want an opinion? You know, and it's, well, what's the difference? I'm like, well, you know, my advice is going to be something based on some facts. My opinion is going to be based on my experience coming through the world. Mm-hmm. And just the way that I see it, you know what I'm saying? So that, and sometimes both can coincide, but then a lot of times your opinion is just this, is just that. It's just an opinion that you have on a particular problem. It, it could work out, then again, it could not work out, you know? So that's what I say. But when we're talking about, you know, getting to the points we're talking about uh, race, and like to so this particular time, we were just really talking about characteristics of you know, uh, of people, you know, so and people are more similar than they are different, you know, so and when we get into the, it is when we get down into the, the, the real gritty details is when we can probably find some really true differences. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those differences can put a, a bigger broad spectrum on, you know, uh, a particular uh, subject. It could really do that. You know, basically when you get into, when you, if you start going into things, you know, like uh, slavery and civil rights and things of that nature. Those are 
larger issues. It is down into the details, but they are much larger, complex issues than what uh, people can really fathom. Yeah. I I really, truly like uh, history. The portions of history that I like the most, uh, I do like Civil War. I do like the Civil Rights era, you know, and then I like anything, anything basically dealing with the depression, whether they're talking about production of cars, uh, products, just anything, you know, just anything. You know, so uh, when they were talking about around the depression and not necessarily that why the depression happened, but just things that people did during the depression, how they lived and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, but uh, when we get to talking about things like, you know, the Civil War and we get to talking about things like the Civil Rights and then people get to thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, that's that's just because all white people are, are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... I'm like, but that's not the only thing that is in there because it's so much. I was one of those people when I started learning about Civil War, slavery, and all this other stuff. I was one of those people that everything was white, 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 black, white, black, 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 white. That was all my that was my only opinion. Yeah. But the more I watched documentaries, the more I read, the more I researched. I realized it's a lot more to this thing that was just the white and black aspect to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a, a lot more. <laughs> yeah, people want to oversimplify things. And that's that's the, the human proclivity. You know, that's what we are. We, we are. Well, you know, there's that system one thinking. You know, we have system one thinking and system two thinking. And the system, both of them have a place. You know, the system one thinking is, is what has kept people alive for you know hundreds of thousands of years you know like if you you have your little tribe and if uh somebody else comes up in your tribe if they're different than you then that's immediately that's like okay I, they're, they're they're bad these people are good these people are bad the system one thinking allows us to make quick snap judgments about people about ideas about things that can potentially save our lives that can that protect us it's our natural instincts we have to protect us but we have to use that system two thinking which is a lot more difficult which you it requires you to really to set aside the system one thinking temporarily and be able to like see the nuances and that's like yeah like history that's one of my biggest biggest complaints too I, i'm really interested in, in civil war too but you know there's so many people that tend to paint historical figures in a broad brush is either good or bad. Like everybody in history is either good or bad based on, you know, like if they did this thing, they, you know, but the thing is you can't do that. You, you can't understand history through a modern lens. You, you can't, there's no way to understand a person if you don't try to understand it through the lens of the culture and the, and the time that they lived in. You know, that's why all the, there's so many people that, you know, so we, we try to say either they're good or they're bad. We throw them into one or the other. We throw them into the good bin or we throw them into the bad bin based on one or two facts about their life. You know, they could have been, they could have been one of the, the kindest, most empathetic, most just honest people that have ever lived. But if they did this one thing that we think is bad, like, oh no, we're going to throw them in the bad bin. They're a bad person because they did this, you know, yeah. and, uh, that's that's how a lot of people think. And, you know, since I've, you know, we've graduated, you know, we're, we're both social workers. And I know that since we've graduated, I've, I've been working as a therapist now for about a year. And I feel like I feel like it's helped me a lot to um, be able to listen to people and be able to step back and take myself out of the conversation. Because that is that's a big part of what therapists do. You know, when we when I'm when I'm in a session with a client, obviously I'm a person that is very opinionated. I have strong beliefs, you know, about myself, about the world, about society. I have, I have really, really strong opinions and I have strong beliefs. However, when I'm with a client, my opinions don't matter. They, they mean absolutely nothing because it's not about me. And I, I guess one of the things that I'm thankful for is that I feel like I have kind of developed my ability to take myself out of a situation, to take myself out of a conversation and really listen to another person. Even if this person is, you know, I mean, I, I have even, you know, I mean, I've, I've, you have to talk to a person to really see where they're coming from. And I have actually found myself encouraging people to take an action that I feel myself is wrong in some way, but that I would never choose for myself. 
But after you've talked to a person, if you if you get into their psyche and you see what really motivates them and what they they care about and what their values are, if you see that this action isn't aligned, I mean, obviously, you don't want to encourage anyone to harm themselves or another person. But if, if you, they take an action that you personally might think is immoral in some way or is you know somehow wrong, even if you know, it doesn't matter what you think. And but I tell you when it's going to I tell you when that. uh and I know I'm moving a little bit away from the topic, but uh, I tell you one that gets everybody about whether you think people are right or wrong. The same thing you're talking about, the one that everybody gets hung up with, even social workers, uh, when people come and say, well, hey, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And I don't believe in this. And then you're a full-blown Christian singing in the choir. Yeah. Even social workers start trying to, <laughs> they start trying to convince the person to at least read the Bible, go to church, Bible study, blah, 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 whatever. Just like you said, yeah. when you're with that client, my opinion doesn't matter at that particular point. That's right. You know, I did individual therapy, uh, same as Ken for, for a while, you know, when I came out of uh, grad school, and even doing grad school, you know, I did my therapy stuff and all of that. I didn't have the same uh, proclivity, I think if that's a good word to use. Yes. Uh, to an individual counseling. It's candy. He stuck yeah. with it. I did not. Yeah, more, more drawn to the individual. Yeah. My uh, background. I'm sorry. Mine were more like in law enforcement, you know, so. Oh, okay. I, I, mean, groups. I know you, I know you like doing, I think you, you tend to enjoy groups more than I yeah, do. Yeah, I enjoy groups, groups a lot more you, than individual. I'm more drawn to, more drawn to the individual therapy, I think. Yeah, so uh, I work as an investigator for, uh, for uh for Georgia, you know, so uh the thing about uh me when I when I'm in, into a, a person's home and uh whatever and we're talking about, you know, how to uh overcome a particular uh situation, you may hear some people say some things that are absolutely not right, you know. <laughs> but I'm there for a particular job. I'm here to do a particular job. It's not my it's not my opinion to try to change their mind on whatever it is. As long as it, long as I'm there to do whatever it is I got to do as far as whatever the job is. Okay, so let me get this person to this point. I'm not here to try to change your mind about what you said or you've done or whatever. Let me try to make my job, my focus, whatever I'm trying to do, uh, correct. And this is what I'm trying to do. Now, if they ask me for my opinion, that's all it can be at that particular point when you're with someone else, you know, if, if uh, they ask me for my opinion, I give an opinion. But if I'm on the job, a lot of times I say, well, hey, look, you know, if it has nothing to do with what I'm doing, I said, look, I really can't get into that particular situation because it does not have anything to do with what I'm trying to do or say. So I have to let that portion go. You may want to have a response. You may absolutely need to respond to a particular person on something, but uh you you can't you know I had a case not too long ago. Person was all down into the semantics of what I was doing, and I was like, "You're so focused, you're so focused on the semantics. You're not getting the point where I'm really trying to help you." Mm -hmm. And so I had to keep bringing the focus back to I'm really trying to help you. I'm not here to hurt you in any kind of way, but because people here certain things, like I said early on in the podcast, because they only listen for a response. Yeah. His only portion of listening was for a response. That was it. It was only for a response. It was for nothing else, just a response. And as long as I was talking, he, it, the only portion that they want to listen to was just for that response. That was it. And yeah. then nothing else was being resolved because here I am giving you help 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 and then you're only listening for that response and you're gonna miss the help so i had to continue to repeat myself that you're gonna miss the help trying to listen to the semantics of the situation you know yeah, so yeah. it took a long time for that i might get hung up if you and that, that's another problem we have there, there's a lot of like we've become so divided that there's certain words and phrases that are kind of triggering you know there's certain things that you know, if somebody says a particular word, it just kind of it makes our hair stand up and we say, oh, 
they said that word, that means that they think the, we have a whole preconceived notion. We've got this whole universe of, of ideas that we believe about this person based on a single word they use. Because when you use that word, it has a particular connotation to us. And the thing is, these it's you don't have to be a social worker or a therapist, I feel like, to to be able to understand other people that you disagree with or have a different perspective with. But it does take work. And that's that's the point that I'm trying to make in this whole conversation is it takes work. It's not easy because it's not natural. That's not our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to, you know, we use these these heuristics. You know, we like the you know, the availability heuristic, meaning, you know, we think something we, we, that's where a lot of stereotypes come from. Because, you know, if we, if we have, if in our personal experience, every, if, if nine out of 10 people of this particular race or this particular political affiliation act or do a certain way, then in our minds, that's how they are. Even if, even if that represents 5% of the total, even if it's, there's no statistical significance at all if that's what we have to work with if that's what we see if that's what we're familiar with that's how we're going to base our own assumptions and uh it yeah it takes work it takes work to do that but um i feel like uh you don't necessarily you don't even have to have a natural uh proclivity <laughs> that seems to be the word of the day <laughs> to um to be able to to have difficult conversations like i think antonio and i do but i think you do even if even if it's difficult for you, I feel like it's possible if everybody and if everybody would make a little bit of an effort, if everybody listening to this podcast right now, all five of you <laughs> would make a concerted effort to talk to somebody that you disagree with. Talk about talk to somebody that's a different race, different political party, a different religion, something and different sexual identity, whatever it is, anything, any just talk to the person and just. And listen, you know, don't don't listen like Antonio says, just for that for that response. Just don't don't listen to have little things you can pick apart and try to respond with something to to prove how they're wrong. Just listen to somebody to understand their perspective. And if you understand another person's perspective, there's nothing that it can't harm you. you know, that's you know, that's the thing I feel people people feel threatened when their their worldview is is challenged. But to me. It doesn't challenge my, I don't feel, I don't feel like my worldview is challenged when I understand another person's perspective, even if their perspective is different than mine, even if they have a completely different worldview, to me, it, it can only benefit me. It can only benefit me to understand somebody else better, um, whether I disagree with them or not. You know, I might say, well, you know what? They're not, they're not as crazy as I thought they were. You know, when it's all said and done, I might still feel like that. I might be, that person is out of left field but at least i understand why they say the things they say even if i think they're totally wrong you know <laughs> worst case scenario is i you still think the person's wrong but at least then you understand where they're coming from they're not just they're not a bad person you know what i mean you don't throw them into the bad pile you know you just don't immediately take this person and chunk them over into the bad bin because they think of a, a, somehow differently than you do and uh well, i think uh when people oh sorry go ahead no, I was just saying, I think that's what it's all about. That was kind of the point. I was, I was culminating right there the, with the point, you know, of just listening to people and, and having these difficult conversations and trying to really, I know there's, there's a technique that, that I've been hearing in, in debates recently that I really like, because um, I'm sure we, uh, we're all familiar with, you know, straw manning or the, you know, the logical fallacy, you know, called straw manning someone's like, if you're listening, if you're debating or something, which, you, you know, the straw man fallacy is when you take their a person's position and you frame it in such a way that it's something that's easy to tear down. You say, Oh, well you just like, if you're this, you know, if you're, if you're against abortion, you hate all women and you think that they shouldn't have any control over their bodies. Like it creates a straw man, things like that, or, you know, vice versa, whatever it is. You create this, you create this thing that's like so easy to tear down because it's an inaccurate representation. One of the things that I've been hearing in, in debates recently is what they call steel manning. And this to me is, is awesome. Like when you, uh, I've, I've heard different debate formats where people, they, they, they have a debate set up and the, the way they open the debate is by steel manning the other person's perspective. 
which is the opposite of straw man, basically building it up. Like, so what they're doing is saying, okay, I want to describe, like, if, if Antonio and I are debating a particular topic, you know, if we, you know, quote unquote, steel man, what we would do is I would say, okay, this is what Antonio believes. And rather trying to make his belief sound crazy or, or illogical, what I would do is try to describe his perspective in such a way that he would say, yep, would, would nod and say, yep, that's good. That's exactly what I believe. You know, and if we're able to do that with each other, if we're able to kind of steel man each other's perspectives, then we at least have a good understanding of what they believe and we have a good basis to work from. Well, people are not always going to do that in, in every conversation. Like I said, that you made a point about people's worldview, you know, that someone said that, you know, trying to challenge the worldview. The reason why you may feel like a worldview is challenged is because then if you see it through the other perspective, like what you're trying to explain here, seeing it through the other perspective, then if you actually see that and make that connection, then that means your worldview has to change. Yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you might have to change your worldview a little bit. And yeah. that that's man that's one of the scariest things that people can do right there that's it's, it's terrible it, it, because it, it, thing I, 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 not to uh, cut you off but i want to make this point with that when you talk about the worldview changing when we were talking about this conversation on the phone i told you the, the story about when i became an officer uh and my aunt took offense to me being a police officer because the, her worldview at that point was that hey our family is blue collar workers yeah, we are. We are not office people. We don't work inside the building. You know, we're we're you know, we're we're blue collar. We are working with our hands. We are out the door. We are sweating and all this other stuff. And she just did not view that police officer work as real work. Yeah, it just wasn't real work to her at all. You know, so at that point, you know, she felt like, OK, well, you're going against what our family believes in. So when you have a worldview that's challenged, no matter what it's challenged on, a lot of times people don't want to do that because you have to go against family members. You may be going against really good friends. You may be going against coworkers where you felt really comfortable at work. Mm -hmm. You know, so now I have to go against the very coworkers that I felt really comfortable with having to tell them, you know, I don't believe this anymore or anything like this, you know. Yeah. Um, a really good example uh, in the cultural wise, I think that we see, we don't pay enough attention to, I think, movies and TV shows. We really don't. Uh, a lot of times we look at it for entertainment, but I look at Christmas movies a bunch. Every time I'm having a bad day, Antonio's response is, man, you should go watch a Christmas movie. <laughs> you should. I'm telling you, you should watch a Christmas movie because <laughs> they are like some of the the they, they give you some of the biggest perspectives on anything. Oh yeah, but stay with me. I like Christmas movies a whole lot. I if I if I'm having a bad day, I probably I, I'll go uh, search one in a heartbeat and I'll watch something uh, Christmas related. But on the worldview side, on every Christmas movie, almost when they're talking about uh, the rich tycoon. And then the lonely office worker, whatever, it is always that rich tycoon's worldview that is challenged for whatever they're trying to do. If they're trying to <laughs> take over a, a business or a killer business or whatever they're trying to do. So oh. somewhere in the end of the movie, you know, this uh, business tycoon has to come to the uh, realization that they're wrong and someone else may be right. That they've been wrong all along. Oh, we're how wrong about, I've been! <laughs> yeah, the whole time, you know, we you know we're, we're we're not this, we're that, or whatever. And hey, you know, now they have to go back and try to make all of these wrongs a right and just everything else. You know, so uh, I think that to me that is some stuff that sticks out in a lot of uh, TV shows and in a lot of movies because. A lot of times they're showing us in a lot of those movies that, hey, that some form of your view has to change some kind of way in order for you to come either out of a rut or into a new part of life or whatever. And I think I go back and sometimes I look 
I go back and look at old TV shows, you know, like Good Times or, you know, Sanford and Son or uh, any other show, Charles in Charge. Doesn't really matter. You can pick any one of those shows from the 70s. Any of those shows from the 70s, you can pick. And a lot of them was showing us how to deal with these uncertain social times. Yes. But we didn't pay any attention to it at all. We just looked at whether the show was funny, whether or not they mm-hmm. had drama. Whether it, I mean, we didn't. We just looked at it for the entertainment aspects. We didn't look at it for any other aspect at all. Now, I'm pretty sure some people probably looked at it like, okay, well, hey, you know, there were some people who paid attention to some of the stuff, but I wasn't one who paid attention to it. Yeah. You know, but sometimes I go back and I look and I'm like, man, wait a minute. Let me let me really pay attention to what you know George was trying to say on the Jeffersons. You know, I was you know I'm like wait a minute, let me what, what was he really trying to say? You know, yeah. What what, yeah, what, what, what was Tom's perspective? The writers, man, the people. I've said this a lot though, man. The people who are writers for like sitcoms and, and TV shows are some of the most unsung talent in the world, man. There's some really good stuff there, man. Really, really good. Good writing, and it's. I think the reason shows like that resonate with us so much is because, like you said, there's themes. There's themes that resonate with us because, you know, I think human experience is narrative in nature. You know, it's it's different. Like that's why, you know, I'm fascinated with narrative therapy because you know, narrative is what it's all about. You know, humans view the world in terms of story, in terms of what's happening how is this thing affecting this thing how is you know how has the past affected this how how is are the, the actions that i'm doing now or this person is doing going to impact the future mm-hmm. it's all you know whereas you know we're the only creatures to do that you know animals don't think in narrative terms you know animals mm-hmm. animals live in the here and now they're like you know humans are unique and that we have the ability to to think in terms of, of a story of you know like past present future and put all these things together in a line in a narrative in a storyline well you're you're describing transactional therapy um transactional therapy is the running narrative in your life you know like i am uh frugal with money because i i grew up poor and we didn't have much Mm -hmm. so that is that is your narrative your ongoing narrative and how this may affect you know relationships i may get married and now uh, I'm putting more stress on my marriage because I don't want to go on vacation. Uh, it, it's too much money being spent. I don't want to buy my kids uh, name brand things because that that's not how I grew up. You know, so then the ongoing narrative in your life is, hey, the reason why I'm so frugal because we were so poor, we didn't have this. And now I don't want to be broke. So then you go through all of these other things in life trying to avoid being broke when you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year you know so they're like well hey you're not gonna be broke y'all have two hundred thousand dollars of income coming into the home yeah. so you're not going to be broke you know but that's what you're describing is, is transactional therapy well that, yeah i think well there's a crossover there though, because yeah these different all the different therapeutic modalities they're not they're not clear-cut uh, separate discrete things mm. A lot of crossover there's a lot of you know the, if you take different different therapeutic approaches and different modal- modalities there's lots of lots of gray area between them lots of crossover between different you know different types of therapy but um yeah there's the basic they- gist yeah the gist of that is the the narrative though you know whether you're looking at it in a, a, a transactional sense or you know in a in a truly narrative sense or in well what- you see a lot of transactional therapy takes place in the prison system, uh, especially repeat offenders. And they're trying to figure out like, why will you constantly coming back to the same thought process? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a lot in the prison system. Like, okay, you know, they may use some in other settings in the regular therapy world, but in the prison system, it's used quite often to try to figure out why are you coming back to the same thought time and time and time again why is this the ongoing thought? You know, why is this the ongoing thing in your life? Well, see, that's, that's the getting at there. It's also cognitive therapy. So cognitive therapy crosses over there too, because that's all about how our, our thought processes, how our the flaws in our thinking patterns are causing the problems in our lives. Of course, you know, so it, I mean, it does cross over, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's used a lot. I see it a, a lot more. Well, 
let me take this back. When I was in my undergrad, when I was doing all of these papers on transactional therapy, that's where it was prim- the focus, the primary focus was there. Uh, and then there were some focuses, some focuses on uh, like uh, group home type, uh, well, for teenagers that would enter into group home, group home like uh, uh, settings, you know, especially kids who had been abused and things of this nature. Uh, they wanted to figure out what was the or what was going to be their narrative so they could try to work to change uh, some of these uh, ideas that they could or uh, pitfalls, try to avoid some of those pitfalls in life that, you know, because you was abused doesn't mean you had to abuse other people, blah, 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 and then go down and all this old stuff, you know, so uh, that's what I, when, that was the focus of the study when in the undergrad was like, how was it used and where was it used? I still have that I think I still have that paper on my computer somewhere, you know, so. Yeah, uh, all, I've got all my papers saved on different, oh my gosh, different hard drives. I thought, you know, I've got one out in the shed, that, an old computer that I have I keep every now and then. I think about it, like, man, I got to get all this off of there, man. I want to keep all my old psychology papers, but I guess trying to, I, guess it's, we're, I feel like we're kind of meandering a little bit here, man, but I feel like to bring it back around, you know, the if you understand, if you're able to understand other people better, it helps you understand yourself better. And if you understand yourself better, it also helps you to understand other people better. And that, that's, that's, that's a big, big thing. So I know we're, man, we're coming up on a, coming up on an hour here. I know. That's what I was, I was thinking. I was going to say, we, we told everybody we were going to stick to the hour thing. So let's try to stick to the hour. But man, I probably could go down just, any portion of race, I can go down it for probably hours on end. But Man, I know there's so many things we've mentioned here that are like whole nother that I started. I've had things I wanted to say, but I'm like, no, that would open up a whole nother discussion. So there's a whole we'll try to keep it keep it simple on this one. Maybe we can. Uh, there's I think there's some points that we made here that could be whole other episodes we could discuss, get into oh, dig- yeah, yeah. more deeply. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, but I would just say right here, right now. We will wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> we'll wrap it up because we can definitely go down, the, you know, the rabbit hole for a long time. The gist of the conversation from the other night, you know, Ken is white. He's not black. <laughs> <laughs> it is, that was the gist that we came up with uh, uh, was that, yes, you know, uh, he does have a lot of things in common, they, you know, the way he grew up. But, we did, you know, we decided that, you know, that I grew up poor, he grew up poor. And that, you know, we both have a lot of characteristics that was definitely in common, you know, with uh, with us just growing up in the in the way that we grew up, you know. So that was the gist of the conversation from the other night. We kind of gave you guys a little bit more insight into why we feel that way. Uh, and I, we do encourage anybody that wants to come and have a difference of opinion. You are more than welcome to join the conversation. Uh the ways of joining the conversation, you can go through the Anchor app. You can download the Anchor, look for Classroom 21. You can leave us a message on the Anchor app directly in Classroom 21. You can also go to Facebook and find Classroom 21 on Facebook. You can find Classroom 21 on TikTok. You can email us at Classroom 21 with two M's at gmail.com. That's Classroom 21 with two M's at gmail.com. And I believe that's all the social media that we have. We do have a website, Classroom 21, that's out there. And you can leave a message out there as well if you like. You know, so there are many, many ways of contacting us uh, and wanting to extend the conversation. Uh, I do upload these uh, podcasts to Facebook and uh, I try to upload them to uh, the website. It's harder to do at the website because we have to always put in those permissions to put on the website but for right now they're they're all uploaded on uh, facebook and they're definitely all uploaded on anchor that's right yep so hit us up if you think we're think we're right think we're wrong tell us about it and ken is working on a theme song (laughs) yeah we're gonna have something man we're gonna have a yeah I'm, i'm gonna come up with something we've been that's something I think we've been lacking, man. We got to have some kind of a some kind of a little intro, some kind of a little musical intro here. All right, so uh, Ken's working on that. <laughs> so once he gets that going, then our shows will probably begin and end with his uh with the theme. But for right now, we're just gonna 
uh, end it with uh, whatever, how we feel. Uh, I think I'm going to echo what Ken has been saying all afternoon is basically if you feel some kind of way about something in your life, ask a question, uh, start a conversation and don't just listen to respond, but listen to see what's going on and enhance that conversation uh, and move forward with it, you know, and try to expand your worldview, uh, you know, and see what's going on around you. Go ahead, Ken. That sounds good, man. I think you wrapped it up right there. It's That's what it's right, all about. Right. Listen to each other. Listen to understand. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to uh, sign off and you're listening to Classroom 21. Uh, Antonio and Ken Obera. Yep, and we'll see y'all next time in the classroom. Yes, sir.